Welcome, everyone, to episode 223 of the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I want to welcome my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Good Some morning, Todd. Technical difficulties. Well, yeah, we're a little late getting going because we're doing this in a <clears throat> a different way. And we both, you know, I, you know, Todd's on the road, and I just got back from New York just the last, uh, just late yesterday. So I'm scrambling to get myself put back together again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, the key is not to take it apart. That's well, the key. Well, I know, but I, I take my I take my computer on the road with me, so things get anyway. It's it's a long story, and we should we yeah. should spend time talking about it. Every podcaster has <laughs> technical challenges at times. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're we're only audio only today, and of course uh, that's okay because that's what we do. But uh, thanks everyone for for tuning in. We've got a great show lined up. Lots, I mean, lots of stuff to cover because I wasn't available last week because i was on a jet plane coming to the east coast and i'm heading back tomorrow so i'm sitting in southern michigan watching the the corn dry out the window quite literally but anyway rob uh you just got back from new york so i think we should just get an update how was the uh nab it was actually really interesting i mean there was only two podcasting vendors at the event there was us and lipson and um I mean, it was a kind of a little bit of a different audience for um, for podcasting, but you know, all all these events in in reality, if they have anything to do with broadcasting or media or anything like that, they all um, seem to have a fascination with podcasting and what's going on there. And the first day um, at that event, and that was last Wednesday, um, we were just inundated with people that were interested, wanting to find out more about podcasting, and and a lot of people that. You know, are doing podcasts. I mean, big media comes like we had the the United Nations come by and people like that. I mean, it was just really, really, you know, it's an interesting crowd. It's not a very big event. I mean, if you think about it on the scale of the NAB in Vegas, uh, which is actually mm-hmm. um, like 115,000 people. And this one was probably maybe six to 7,000. So it's a right. significantly smaller event. And the you could actually walk the entire trade show floor probably in an hour, uh, which is quite different than Vegas. So, but, but it was a passionate crowd that there was an engineering kind of conference going on at the same time, you know, audio, audio engineering conference. And, it, and that was actually going on very close to both Rob and I's booths. And, um, and so we got a lot of traffic from audio engineering people coming by to talking about podcasting. So I thought it was really interesting, but, but overall it was a good Good event to be at. Um, you know, it's one of those un- underserved served events for podcasting. The NAB had like a like a podcast studio on the floor. Uh, plus, they had podcast sessions there. Dan and Dan and Jarrett from Podcast Movement were there putting on podcasting sessions and things like that. So, I mean, it wasn't a big event for podcasting, but it was certainly one that um, you know opens the door. So next year there's could be a lot more going on and then obviously in vegas um you know the the neb show in vegas is obviously making a big step forward with more podcasting and and things going on there and i guess dan and jared are are involved in the vegas event as well you know we've always debated whether or not to go to the radio show that's down in florida too so it's so you know you just don't know and of course uh you know you having been you know rob at uh, Libsyn would never, you know, give up any information on how that show went. Oh, it good. And that's all he would say. <laughs> so it's a little bit interesting to get a little insight into that show because you just don't know 
if you're going to get the foot traffic, you need to cover the expense of doing that that uh, that show. So it's interesting. So well, good. I'm glad you had a good week. But yeah. the week before that, you were in Ontario, right? No, I was in Toronto at the oh, in Rain, Toronto. Yeah, at the Rain Summit in Toronto. That was the first time that the Rain folks have been in Canada. So this was an inaugural event. It was only like a three quarter day event, so it wasn't really even a full day. Uh, so it was really kind of a trial balloon for them uh, in the can in the Canada market. Um, but I can really see Canada really kind of picking up the pace here a little bit. I mean, there's there's now three events, three podcasting events that I'm actually in, directly involved in myself. Now that event, and then Pod Summit, more in central Canada, in Calgary, coming up here in the spring, and then the other event that I'm involved in is in Vancouver, called the Vancouver Podcast Festival. That's a three day event. They're, um, you know, live podcasting and then a lot of podcasting sessions and training and things like that for, for podcasters in Canada. And it's really close to Seattle. And so it was really kind of a hop, skip and a jump for me to head up there and, and get involved in that event and, and, uh, really make a strong push into Canada is what I've been really doing the last couple of years. So how's on the rain event, how, how was that attended? Was the attendance good on that? I was just, I was a few hundred people. It wasn't a huge event. I mean, you've been to those rain summits. I mean, that's, they usually get between three and 400 people at, at even yep. their biggest events, right? So I'd say them getting half of what they normally get at their their annual events uh, is actually pretty good for them. So uh, I think they'll be back next year and they'll probably be back up to a more normal attendance by next year because then they've, they've had a track record and people know about it and and word spreads. So, but, but as far as the content, the session, people talking about Canada, it's a little bit of a different orientation than the U S. Um, it's, it's a little bit more like, um, the experience when I do panels or sessions in Europe. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more kind of, um, whatever, okay. Um, public radio like orientation towards audio. So there's not mm-hmm. a lot of indies, up in Canada yet, um, but there does seem to be kind of a growing development in, on the indie side in Canada. But you're not dealing with as as big a population up there either. You're only dealing with like 35 million people in the whole country. True. Um, true. So you know, if you put it on the scale of the U.S., you know, the U.S. has 10 times that population or more. Um, so the market for podcasting obviously isn't quite as big. I talked to some of the podcasters up there; they were telling me that you know, podcasters that are focused on getting success just in Canada. So let's say they produce podcasts just for the Canadian market. Um, there's a ceiling, there's a cap to their success. So what they are starting to position themselves more to be is as they should, they should be thinking of themselves as Canadian and global podcasters and try and tap more into the U S market. Cause right now, if you look at their ranking charts, um, most of the podcasts that are listened to in Canada are coming out of the U S um, so, which isn't surprising, but, and, cause that's happening all around the world. But, but as Canadian podcasters, they have to think about, you know, making inroads mm-hmm. into the U S market, making inroads into the UK market, other places around the world too. So, so it's a little bit of a different orientation once you're dealing with a, a country that has a smaller, uh, population. Yeah. And of course the, they had a big, two Australian Australia's way. Dave Jackson was down there uh, talking yeah. on, I guess, We Podcast or something like that. Yeah. And then uh-huh. 
then the ABC group had their stuff as well. So yeah, the it was Oz, a big week. Ozpod was the other. Yeah, the Ozpod. Yeah, right. Right. So that's in so Melbourne, Australia. So I saw a little bit of information coming out from them. You know, they released some uh, information. I think one of the slides I saw was that ninety-one percent of Australians uh, either had or knew about podcasting. So yeah. that's a pretty good number out there, um, which you know it shows that uh, globally podcasting is uh, continues to grow and it's and uh, it's recognition you know across the namespace. So that's that was yeah. good, but. Yeah, lots of other stuff going on. Holy cow. Um, oh, you yeah. know, we can talk. I don't know where we want to start. Uh, well, this you know, go, this, go for the big go story. Ahead. Go for the Triton Digital and uh, Scripps deal. That, yes. So that s- came out Scripps, of the blue. Yeah. Yeah. So Scripps laid out a hundred and – matter of fact, uh, Mr. McCracken, I know you're listening. So uh, we need to have you on the show. Um, <laughs> you know, hundred, you know, $150 million <clears> – <throat> $150 million acquisition of Triton cash, cash acquisition. So, uh, you know, and I'm. Well, Todd, they just, in, go ahead. they just came out of uh, selling all their radio stations. So who knows? Maybe they just recycled all that cash to, to buy Triton. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, and I, and I don't fully understand it because. When they got the Stitcher platform, they got ad injection. So why do they need Triton unless they're going to make a bigger play on the overall podcast advertising market? But, you yeah. know, we've been integrated with the Triton platform for a couple of years now. And uh, so and have we. And the, so have we. Yeah. And, you know, and the number of podcasters that are using that platform are – you have to be pretty big because it's it's not cheap to use right. that platform. So. I don't know, but Todd, where. they do have uh, a programmatic ad buying platform. That's that's the big thing. Plus, they do have have dynamic. I don't know that the Stitcher team really d- developed um, ad insertion into downloads. I think that they were only doing ad insertion into pre and post roll type positions. So the mid roll technology, I'm not sure that they ever developed. Well, we definitely know that the Triton platform also works on streaming, so it's right. also streaming right. on demand. So right. So that's that's kind of both ends of the spectrum for those guys. Um, so yeah, so if they if they paid yeah. 150 million for it, then obviously it's making some revenue. That tells you that they're, you know, on the surface, just on the basic math question, it would show that they're at least doing 50 million dollars revenue a year on that platform. Without, you know, that's not counting, you know, any goodwill, tech, all that stuff. So. Um, so they must be making some money if they paid 150 for it, right? But it is a deal that that is uh, radio related, right? Both Triton uh, and Scripps came out of the broadcast side, right? And they've they've mm-hmm. recently both of those companies over the last couple of years have um, significantly shifted their strategy more over um, you know more over to digital, more over getting involved in podcasting. So there is a common thread between those two companies. I'm sure that there's a long history with those two companies too of just knowing about each other, being familiar with each other, and 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 probably working you know with each other to some degree. So in some ways, you know, that was an in the family kind of merger. I think um, so. So it, it actually makes sense. I know that the, well, I mean, as you know, Todd, the script folks have been 
you know, they've been around the podcasting space for, for a while now with, and if you don't know it, they, Scripps also owns Midroll and, and yep, Stitcher. Yep. So just to kind of fill in yep. those blanks. So you can see what they're trying to pull together. They're trying to come up with a complete solution um, that has all of the components that they may need as you look at podcasting into the future. Well, they definitely are going full digital. You know, right. if you look at the cool. mid-roll, you look at you look at Stitcher, you look at diversing themselves of radio, um, then the buy of Triton, they still hold their television. So that makes you go, hmm, if all the audio is going digital, uh, I, they're probably the smart ones on the in the playing field here and uh, making these moves while they've got cash. So, yeah, um, yeah, definitely an interesting move for sure. So it did catch me by surprise a little bit. I hadn't, you know, after the deal fell through with the group in, uh, in Europe, it didn't take too long there. They flipped the, flipped the script and, and yeah, uh, so, went in and scooped them up. Yeah. So this isn't kind of a new concept, you know, it's, you know, the audio boom folks were interested in doing something too. So you can see, that that uh, many of the kind of more radio like players in the space view Titan as a as an important kind of um, bridge between the radio and the podcasting world. So, so anyway, very very interesting move yeah. here. But you know, n- another thing that's been cropping up, and you know, all of us, it just makes me laugh a little bit because I, we saw a um, a tweet come out by someone that's relatively well known in the space and talking about how they had experimented with uh, paying uh, a, a Fiverr uh, podcast promoter to get them to the top of the charts and how it really made no difference. And, you know, I was making some very weird, I mean, very weird statements and um, and how that, you know, media buyers now are not going to be able to trust podcasting because they can look at the Apple ranking. And I'm just thinking, where in the heck is this guy coming from because media buyers have never cared about that Apple ranking list. That has right. never been a determining factor on where they spend money. I, I, I'm just, right. it, I mean, it, I mean, where's, just, where's me, the like, basis? Wow. I mean, because that ranking chart has nothing to do with popularity of downloads. Right. I mean, it has maybe very little to do with it. And I think Todd, that, that just comes from ignorance. Um, people just don't, you know, they don't understand the medium. They're they're playing to what they think is going on, but they're not doing their 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 research. Um, and you know, Apple doesn't help it either because they're not really sharing that. Um, also, so you know, to draw that clarity, because we all know that that ranking chart really doesn't mean that much. Um, in depending on what you're looking for, right? If you're looking for uh, a list of shows that are maybe you know hot in the moment or hot over the last couple of weeks, hot not from a popularity standpoint necessarily, but more focused on how fast they're picking up new subscriptions. Um, but you know that could be fifteen hundred subscriptions in a week, you know, and that would pop you into that list or something. I don't I don't really know what that factor is, but yeah, I get approached by these promoters probably two or three times a week. I get email or message on LinkedIn or email or whatever telling me I can get your podcast in the top ranking. And, and it's like, no dude, I'm not going to talk to you about it. Sorry. (laughs) So, so here's now, so this, this is the shocking part. Right. So I'm not, I'm almost, I don't really want to even say his name because 
Well, let me just talk about the two podcasts he promoted. Right. He had the Horrors of Dolores Roach and the Waves podcast. One of these is a Gimlet show that he paid to have a podcast climb the iTunes chart, and they showed up number one, number two. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, now this is this is this blows me away that he would do this. He says in his tweet, he says, after a day of visible on there, I didn't really get a bunch of listen. And it's pretty and it's pretty obvious due to lack of reviews that my cast charting was a sham. Number three, he says, that said, if you have a podcast to get reviews and listens, but never seems to find its way to the top of iTunes, this may very well work. So he says, makes me wonder. Who's already doing this? Is there any way to prove that they're doing it? If so, they'll be shame. If so, will they be shamed for doing it? And does this prove that download numbers and subscribers is really the only safe way to decipher what you're getting? If you're if you're an advertiser, and I'm huh. like, really, what? Yeah. yeah. So, so w- one of our friends went after him in a tweet response and basically said. You know, the ranking chart's really never been about, you know, proving the show's size or downloads or anything like that. Yeah. Some of the shows have some re- some direct correlation. But as I've said many times on this show, we, I, we you, you and I both know of huge shows that are not in the top 200. They're right. huge just because, you know, they build an audience over time and they don't have a lot of new sus- incoming subscribers. But they do have this consistently big show. But I was just, you know, my response to him was, for those of us in the know for years that understand that the Apple podcast charts get it only partial right when not manipulated, hundreds of very, very big shows never show up in the top 200 by category, a.k.a. no surprise. And I said downloads are the only true measure. So he got an argument with someone else that basically said that, oh, you're just promoting your services and – you know, being in the ranking chart is important, and uh, advertisers care about being in the ranking chart. And I'm like, whoa, this and this guy does editing and sound design for some big names. Yeah, well, I don't know what that proves, Todd, but it just proves that there's a lot of misinformation out there, and a lot of people are making um, making incorrect conclusions, but. But it also, Todd, if you look at the big picture on what's going on with all of this, you know, with all of these people, is that I believe 2019 and, and, and today and forward, uh, people are just crazy to build audience. I mean, they're they're desperate to find ways to grow. Um, and Todd, we've been talking about this show for the last year, is that the, the biggest issue in podcasting today is growing the audience, right, from a macro perspective and right down to a show level perspective is it i i don't know about utah but i get hammered all day from podcasters you know i need to grow my audience i need to make more money or i need to reach you know more people i mean obviously there's nothing new about any of that but it, it just feels like it's getting a fevered pitch now it's getting people are desperate people are and th- this is an indication of desperation of people trying to figure out ways to get larger and they're willing to throw their ethics out the window to get it done, and Apple is getting put in this this position where they have to crack down on people or crack down on these services, and and this is a reaction to the market um, wanting to find solutions to growing audience. and And I'll be honest with you, I think we all thought that Google was going to be be a deliverer of increased audiences, but it hasn't happened. So, 
And Spotify is the only one that's really kind of moving the needle right now, I, I think, from a growth perspective. But I don't know if, if they're just stealing people from iOS. I don't you know if we're really mo- getting new people into the medium or, or not, Todd. Well, some people that are having some significant luck on Spotify need to start doing some surveys with those audiences specifically to see where they come from or if they're new. Yeah. And start finding some of this information out. I know the fevered pitch of people wanting to be on there has slowed down a little bit since they opened up their own portal submission. But it has, um, you know, their stats data. You know, we look across stats. Some shows get some good traction. Some shows don't. You know, it really depends, I think, on the demographic that's listening to that particular podcast. But, you know, from Google's standpoint, I kind of suspected that this would be a – multi-year process for them. I didn't think they were going to, I, you know, I don't know. We'll have to go back and listen to these episodes and someone comes out and say, did I say that we'd see major growth? I I think my point of view is we will see, you know, I think I was kind of on the fence. If I remember my initial opinion, when they jumped in, I'm excited about it right now, Rob, and you and I sampled a hundred shows each. How many of them would even, even mention uh, Google podcast? I bet you, five out of the hundred would yeah well it's because most so podcasters i mean todd let's just be honest with you most podcasters are are have ios devices so they're they're going to be oriented there they're not seeing it um google is not making it visible to to ios users um and it's you know that's what's holding it back uh and i think um if all those podcasters were on Android, they would be much more of an in-your-face type of situation. Um, but that's not happening. Todd, did you see the announcements? I know we've been traveling and stuff like that, but Google has announced that they're going to make things more simplified somehow, as well as uh, help podcasters earn money. Did you hear about this? Mm, I heard something about them make it easier to find their link to their page, because what we're running into now is new podcasters that are coming on they have one episode they can't find their listing in google podcast and it's largely because they haven't been indexed yet so yeah what what did you hear well it's kind of kind of two things they made a statement i i guess a representative from uh google podcast was down at ozpod i guess um what actually i guess it was, uh, um, it, he was, was on he was Zach on video was there. right i think he was on video i don't think he was down there i think it was on actual oh okay Video on demand, I think. Yeah, I think he was on a screen, but go ahead. Yeah, so I guess he made some statement that sometime next year Google's going to be helping podcasters earn money. He didn't. He didn't make any specific um, claims or or announcements. He just made this general statement that he that they're going to work on helping podcasters make make money or monetize. Um, so so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like i mean what does google do they do advertising right so uh i i don't know unless they're going to move into some sort of a premium offering of some sort but there has to be a donation offering i don't know i i'm not sure how they get in the middle of that because they're not hosting anything so it'll be interesting to see what that turns out to look like but yeah it was like this uh they also announced uh, the ability i guess in google podcast to, to quietly or um, added a capability on playback to trim silences. I'm not quite sure how they're doing that if they're not hosting the media file, but um, but that 
that that's kind of the same kind of thing that um, Overcast was doing, right? So so there must be some way that they're kind of re-encoding or trimming playback um, to trim any kind of silences in podcasts. I don't know why there's a big hmm. need, need for that, Todd, unless I know that Overcast well, does some, that, right? Sometimes dramatic pauses are needed, and we don't want that audio to be cut out. So, well, yeah, you right. know, time will tell, but... Yeah. But, you know, that may lead into, and I can't remember who told me this, um, and maybe they heard it on the same, you know, the same uh, information come out of Australia. But the the thing I heard this week, which makes me go, hmm, just a little bit, is that maybe Google is going to be putting together an iOS podcast app. And if they do, that would shore up their base and being able to monetize on a on a little wider scale. So if you think about it, uh, let's say that you are actively promoting Google Podcasts right now and you've got five, let's just use the number 5% as an audience share. Well, that doesn't, uh, you know, if, if Google's going to help you make money, they're going to help you make money on that 5%. That's not going to be very much cash, but if they have an inroad into iOS where they're going to help you make money. And if you promote their app and within their app, you're going to get some advertising revenue back. Um, this could definitely be a play for your ears. So if you can't win it on one side, you beat them on the other. So right. that could turn into be something very interesting. Yeah. And I also had heard that, um, that, that new app, um, that's been rumored, um, is has nothing to do with the current Google Podcast team. So it's just a little thing that I, I heard bounce off the walls. So, But maybe that's part of the AdWords team or something. Who knows? I don't, you know, I don't know, but they've got so many podcasting uh, initiatives and projects going on there, things that should be killed and things should be consolidated, cleaned up, simplified. You know, There's a lot of work to do over there in the Google Podcast stuff right now. Yeah. So, so Zach, if you're listening, you know, here's the deal. You guys want to start moving the needle further. You got to get with Sergi, and you need to tell him, hey, we got we got to have audio on the it's on Google.com. You want to move the, the needle? Search, you want right to help in the this? search bar, right? Or all right in search right. bar. Yes, we need an audio link in the search bar, and um, you put that there. You're going to move the needle, but if you don't put that there then you're going to have to rely on the 100,000-plus active podcasters to be promoting Google Podcasts you know, natively in their shows. And uh, let's be frank, if you really want to move the needle here, if you truly want to move the needle, then that's where we have to be. We have to be on that bar. And then you're exposed to billions of search results every day. So, Right. Well, that and also just... Um Having your app available on iOS, I hate to say it, that would be because what I don't know, Todd. Have we ever done a calculation of what the percentage of podcast creators are on iOS versus Android? Have you ever seen anything like that? I don't think we. I don't know. I don't think I. And it's a CMX, so um, you know you see a PC here and there, but it's right. definitely a big time iOS. You know, and MacBooks. So, it's, you know, I personally edit my sh my my show gets recorded on a PC. So that's kind of the ironic thing. 
Yeah, but I mean, a lot of podcasters now are, you know, are either Mac or their Windows, but I would say the higher percentage, just just based on going around to all these industry events, I mean, most of the creators are are on um, Apple's platform. But I think that's probably starting to change a little bit. I think as we reach, um, you know, more podcasters uh, from a more diverse background, um, there's probably more Windows users in, in there too. But uh, but they're all, I would say, a big percentage of people out there that are maybe um, hopefully coming into the space or coming in from Android. But I would say that the vast majority of podcasters probably still today are are um, iPhone users. Yeah, I just, you know, based on having to demonstrate uh, Google Podcasts on my Android device, that seems to be a big thing. Anytime I'm with a podcasting group, I was down in our office in Columbus and a few podcasters stopped by and this topic came up and I said, have you seen Google Podcasts? You know, I break out the Android phone and I show them the very, the very simple way it works and they're blown away. Once they see it, they're like, oh my God, you mean I can have an app on my listeners, uh, you know, mobile device or whatever they click and I'm like, absolutely. And so once they see it, they get it. But most podcasters, until they see it, they're like, eh, you know, so they don't understand. But they can't see it if they're on the iPhone, right? That's the thing. Right, right. They can't see it. So what happens if Google does the same equivalency for iOS? Then that could be a game changer. But again, I think ultimately we have to have the ability for Google to – if they want to grow this, truly grow this, and they want to monetize this, and they want to throw some zeros to their bottom line because Google doesn't do nothing unless they're going to make money, You know, they're going to have to help the exposure of podcasts. That's going to be the only way. Because if they don't, and they don't move the needle, well, look what it took for us to Android. We've had that in what in place now for four years, maybe going on five. But if, if four, yeah. I think I have to go back and look when we launched it. But it took us a couple of years to get traction going on that. Right. You know, and we find that our, you know, our podcasters that are using that are by and far have more Android listeners than folks that don't use that link so but again it took time and we had to train the podcasters to promote it and and start to grow their android you know those were net gains those we knew those were not ios users we knew those were purely android mobile users so time will tell on this but mm-hmm. uh just the whole move in the android market is just continues to be a challenge yeah no, it definitely does. No question about that. So, so anyway, uh, is there anything? What other news happened last week? I think here. Well, just from a personal perspective, Rob uh, spent three days uh, in the office with the team. You know, you probably get you're the kind of the same way. You're remote, and when you get together with the team, it's like nonstop. So we were, I don't know, twelve, fifteen hours. You know, we were hot and heavy. I was with the devs and looking at stuff and. You know, you just get so much done in that short amount of period because you're right there. And uh, it was my first time to basically hang out in the new office too, so that worked out well. Uh, Barry had came down. He's our CFO. He'd come down. He was there with me as well and Angelo and the the dev team and Mackenzie. And so it was good. And I'm looking forward to being able to – we're we're going to probably put in a – well, we already have our studio built waiting on the desk to be finalized, or studio desk to be finalized. 
But from that, hear that music in the background, I've made the decision we're probably going to put some video in the studio too so that we can do video tutorials and that kind of stuff. But anyway, it's just, you know, little things that we, on my side, that I got to eyeball and see what we could and couldn't do from the new office space. But yeah, I had my head down all week at the office, so I wasn't paying too much attention to what was going on in the space. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just constantly stuff bubbling. You can't uh, concentrate and pay attention to everything else. <laughs> it makes it a challenge, that's for sure. But I think that you know we'll have to keep an eye on what's going on with uh, Pandora. I would expect some stuff to start breaking there at some point. Right. I would think, um, you know, and see what kind of a you know. I don't know. I, I don't know. If people are going to get as excited for Pandora as they have for Spotify. Um, Spotify strategy was one of. Uh, you know, limit. You know, they basically made everyone want to be on it and couldn't be on it. And then, you know, now that everyone can be on it, we'll see if that. Yeah. And we'll see where the if it just becomes another destination. Well, if you think about Pandora as a platform itself, um, it's you know just keep in mind everybody keep in mind it's U.S. only um, currently today, but it has a, a very high penetration in the U.S. market. It's it's actually larger than Spotify, so it's a hundred. From what I've heard, it's 100 million users just in the United States. So from a market position and scale and size, it's it's a much bigger potential opportunity than even Spotify. You know, the big thing about Spotify is it's a global company, but um, it's, it's not as big as Pandora is um, um, outside and inside the U.S. as Pandora is just in the U.S. So... I, I believe Spotify is like 85 million users, um, and but Pandora is 100 million just in the U.S. So it has the potential to really have an impact on the U.S. market. I don't know what the um, the the numbers are for Apple Podcasts in the U.S. I mean, how many users are using um, the you know the um, the Apple ecosystem in the U.S. I, have you heard any numbers on that, Todd? I haven't seen anything lately. I don't think they've ever uh, they've announced number of episodes, number of shows. But I don't think they've ever. No, but well, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about users, you know, listeners. So, I'm, yeah, yeah, I don't think they've ever announced no. that. I think we can right. deduce what it is based upon there you know metrics. And I think with, we're, yeah, you know, and I would suspect it's over 100 million. So. You know, that use Apple Podcasts, you know, that would, and that's just a swag here off the top of my head. Right. But, um, you know, 100, 110, maybe 120 million people are using Apple Podcasts. Um, that'd be a nice number for them to actually release how many unique individuals are actually using uh, Apple Podcasts. That would, uh, that'd be a good number for, for Apple to put out. You know, you know, I think we been seeing in the space and something that I continue to really think about here. Um, you know, we, um, we had some final information we had to provide to the IB audit team, um, data that, I mean, some, actually we've had to provide some stuff that we never, it wasn't even exist. We didn't have it in, in our system. There were, well, documentation, some stuff that talks about, well, certain procedures and so forth. I mean, they wanted all this stuff very linearly laid out on on how we did certain things. And 
Um, I got to thinking about that a little bit more, and I know this topic has come up from time to time, but you know, and you and I've been broached about this as well. But is it time for us to seriously start thinking about forming a trade organization? Is it time to yeah? You know, put some energy into getting a podcast trade organization set up because yep. the the corporate folks. It, there was a recent article that basically said, um, and it, it really got some eyebrows across the space. It was a, a radio ad. It was basically said, "Okay, uh, podcast children, uh, thank you for your past uh, fifteen years worth of work. Now we're going to pat you on the head. Uh, go away. Radio is here to uh, to take over." And um, yeah, the whole radio dominance is coming to podcasting, right? Yes, we the, yeah we yeah. thank you for for launching. Now now the big boys are here and uh, uh, take your toys and go home. And uh, it pissed a lot of people off. I kind of laughed at it because right. I was just like, well, radio's got to get engaged to actually start making those kinds of claims, and they have to start. Uh, you know, there's. <laughs> There's radio is such a small percentage of the number of podcasts out there currently. You know, it's a pretty big, pretty bold uh, claim to make that they're here to, to take over. So, but being that being said, is it time for an organization so that we can make sure as people coming into space try to mm, force their will upon things that uh, the independent podcasters have a, you know, have a say in the game. There was talk of this at Podcast Movement, <clears throat> the most recent um, conference. You know, I was talking about it um, with with a couple of um, you know, actually many folks at the event, and there was a I Todd. There was a general consensus that it's something that we probably need. Um, but Todd, I, I I think the key question, and you just kind of already alluded to it, is that is this organization focused on the entire space, or is it just focused on the independents? Um, and I, and I think that's an interesting question. And then also, you know, uh, how would an organization like this, let's say it formed and it was inclusive of the whole medium, right? So we, we have the, the big guys and the little guys all mixed together into an organization. Um, <clears throat> or is that not the goals? I mean, is it going to be an independent, I guess, focused, um, association, right? And so we see this split between the independents and the major broadcasters coming into this and they can't interface with the independent uh, association or, or, you know, and I think that's, that's an important question too, Todd. And I think, um, how, how are we all going to get along? I mean, are, is this going to be a split market, um, between the big companies and, and the independents? I mean, how do you see that playing out? Well, well, I you know it just based upon the attitude of the article, it you know I mean and I mean, again this is one dude that has put an article together, and 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 probably you know probably some old white guy, you know that's put together uh, uh, an article saying you know the big boys are here get out of the way you know I you know that's the worry right is that um, is that you know. There's a certain amount of confidence is a nice way of putting it that radio tends to have, and they're coming into this market. Uh, you know, you look at a deal like Scripps and Triton, that is coming out of big radio. I mean, those deals, those folks have known each other for decades. So, um, you know, it is a little bit of 
of the big radio um, coming into the market and thinking that they're 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 the folks that are experts in audio production and um, all the rest of us out here are all amateurs that are um, trying to do trying to take their place, but we're not you know uh, capable of of doing that because we're not organized together as big companies. Uh, and I think that's that's a little bit of a challenge for the space around. How do we keep the independence, you know, in a place where this medium has a level playing field, which is where it started? But, but yeah, I mean, what, what what's your thought about, uh, you know, how, how do we protect the independence um, going forward in the face of um, kind of, I hate to say, but big radio coming into the market and thinking that they, they are going to take over, right? Um, and they think that buying into getting these big deals and these mergers together is somehow going to... Um, put the market in a stronger position, I, I guess. And all this is around growing revenue, right? Is big yeah. radio coming in going to grow the overall revenue? I keep hearing people talking about, you know, I heard this at the NAB, people coming to me and and talking about, oh, yeah, podcasting is going to be a $600 million market next year. And I, I just go, <laughs> I don't really think so. I think you, I think that's a lot of hopeful thinking, but I, I just don't think that there's enough inventory in the market that's being monetized that uh, has any opportunity of getting up to that level. So we're a long way off from 600 million. I think if you take another hundred million dollars into the space, if you dropped a hundred million on it right now, you could monetize uh, 90% of the remaining inventory, maybe right. not that much, right? You know, maybe 90% of the remaining inventory that's out there. It may, maybe it'll take one fifty. Yeah, I mean, but, all all signs to me point to the fact that we've got to grow audience, right? We've got to grow. We need to have more shows <laughs> that are getting hundred thousand, you know, even fifty thousand uh, downloads or plays. We need more of those type of shows, right? Or even bigger shows than that. But the only way we're going to get that is to grow the overall listening audience, and that's hate to say, you know, this is something we've been harping on for a long time. It's Android, 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 right? That's how we're going to grow. Yeah, we're, we're not going to grow that much bigger on Apple. It's like bringing it back full circle here to Android. But, right. you know, I, I guess if you think about the a trade organization, you know, if, if I was not the running a, a podcasting company yeah, um, and had my hands full on the day-to-day operations of making sure that uh, we're running, we're growing, we're uh, keeping employees, uh, you know, paychecks coming in, you know, I would probably put the work in to start an association because it, it will be a full time job for someone. This is a, oh yeah, you know, this is a for multiple people, you know, in the, right in the beginning. This is probably an eighty hour week for months and months and months to get something up and running and 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 get stuff established and get buy in and get uh, membership and committees and all that stuff kicked off. And, you know, how's it going to run and who's going to have a bigger say and who's going to be the chairman of this and chairman of that. Um, And it turns a little bit political. So I'm I'm thinking that if you're going to have a uh, and you have to have the right personalities to navigate that. So I I really do think that if the right person has anything is I'll be honest with you in the beginning, it's going to be someone that's going to have the right heart. They're going to have to have an understanding of all three markets. They're going to have to have an understanding of the, you know, where the businesses are coming from, where the independents are coming from, 
and where this other tier of corporate America is coming from and then be able to intertwine it all together and make us all one big happy family kumbaya and you know dancing in the streets. So uh, it, it's a big, big, big leap, and it's probably a year's worth of work just to to get something off the ground. Now the question is – uh, are 20 of us going to come together and lay down uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars to fund that effort to get something up and running? I, I, that's what it's going to take is uh, someone to write a check and then the right person to do it. Todd, I, I was just thinking about this, and I know I'm kind of speaking a little bit out of turn um, rather than maybe talking to these folks uh, directly before I mention something like this, but um, I think the folks that are sitting in the best position – to to potentially lead something like this or take a significant influence um, in this process would be Dan and Jared from Podcast Movement. Um, those guys are over the last couple of years they've they've really put themselves in the position in the middle of this industry and have connections with everybody, uh, even much more than you and I, um, just because of um, their conversations around building this conference, uh, creating the Hall of Fame. Uh, I do kind of think that maybe those guys need to be involved somehow. Um, but that's kind of just me thinking who's, who's in the best position. That's not as not biased necessarily. Right. Um, right. Who's not working for a particular company that has a particular stake, a competitive stake in the industry. Um, sure. They well, have that, a competitive that, stake that, against other conferences, <laughs> but that's not the well, same. That, that, that rules Dan out because Dan does accounting for mid-roll. <laughs> no, no, actually, he quit. He quit. Todd. He quit. He's not, yeah, oh. he's not working there anymore. Oh, so oh well, both, then, yeah. then he's good. <laughs> yeah, so both both Dan and Jared are full-time podcast movement now. So oh. that's why they're, they're helping NAB put on content. You know, both these guys were, were working at the NAB show in New York. Um, so they're, that's what they're doing full time. They're flying around the country, working with NAB. They're, they're going to put on some content at the NAB in, uh, in Vegas coming up here. Um, Dan's so, listening to this and going, dude, you just threw me under the rug. I know. I'm sorry, Dan, <laughs> but I did spend a lot of time with Dan in, um, in, in New York. Um, so podcast movement put on a, a podcast movement meetup on, uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday night. In, in New York, and there was like 40, 50 people showed up to that. So it was a good good turnout. Those guys know everybody in the space because everybody's after them for you know sponsor placements or mm-hmm. booth positions or getting on panels. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really be in a better position to know everybody in the space than those guys. But That's I'm not, true. I'm not necessarily saying, you know, Dan, this is something you have to do. I'm just saying you guys are sitting in the, the catbird seat to potentially – help us pull this together. I think, you know, you and I would certainly uh, want to help with this. I'm sure Rob Walsh would love to help with this. I also got to spend time with Rob too in back in New York because, you know, he was in the other exhibitor right behind me. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I think I, I've talked to many people in the industry and uh, about this topic, Todd, and, and I get just like your response. I get really positive answers back. Yeah, we need this. We need this. We just don't know how to do it. Who's going to do it? Where's the money going to come from? And I think a lot of the podcasting companies would, would get behind it somehow. Uh, but I guess it depends on what the focus is, right? Do we want yeah. to be 100% inclusionary or do we want to just focus on a particular segment of the market? Um, I think Dan and Jerry would be more open to probably doing helping with something that was um, overall inclusive of everybody. 
I think right. if it can be inclusive and as long as each segmentation has an equal voice at the table. Right. Because too often um, these organizations are for profit. And I'm not saying it's bad to have a trade organization for profit. But typically the people that get the biggest voice and the biggest sway and the biggest committee positions are those that come in and write the biggest membership checks. That in itself, you can't expect an individual podcaster to be uh, think that he's going to have to write a check for $1,000 to be a, a part of a trade organization. You know, you might get an individual podcaster that will pay 100 bucks, but then what will happen when uh, – you know, when a company like mine comes in and has to write a check for twenty five grand, and then, uh, you know, someone maybe like NPR has to come in and write a hundred grand. You know, oftentimes the um, the membership level is really based upon is revenue based, and and right. so again, you have to come up with a tiered system that number one pays the bills, make yeah. sure everyone's coming in with a contribution that matters. But I think the key here is in the organization and how you. Make sure that uh, all voices are heard and that one specific group, a powerful group, can't come in and tell, you know, can't make a uh, a decision that makes a negative impact for a different class of the membership group. Right. So it's got to be. That's the key. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be fair across the board and and an organization that looks out for the health of the medium, not the health of an individual company. Right. Right. Yeah. So, well, Dan, I, I guess, you know, think about this. And, Jared, I, I, you know, I think you guys probably are the best ones positioned in the space at this point to do this. Right. Um, you know, I think there's some other folks out there that might also be sure. positioned to assist. Sure. But, again, this is – I don't know if the podcast movement team have an office. I think most of the stuff they are doing is working out of their home. But at some point, you're going to have to have staff. Right. So this is uh, – Brick and mortar, an office, phones, uh, infrastructure—you know everything that goes along with it. So it's, you know, it's going to be a two, three, four people. Posi- you know, this is what you're going to—it's going to be a full-time job. Right. And if you think about it in the context of their work with the, you know, the Podcasters Hall of Fame and stuff, it definitely falls into that, you know, type of orientation, right? So you're looking at the broader medium. You're trying to find the best people. You're bringing the industry together around celebrating that i mean that certainly could be a component of of um, this association right and um, trying to since we're not invited into being a being a member of the nab <laughs> we have to create a right own, right <laughs> we and i and i think we're at a point now where we need to make sure the independents are disenfranchised and articles right. like this that came out are it's a slap in the face. I don't, you know, I'm an independent content creator. Ultimately I create, you know, we create, yeah. po- we're creating a podcast here. So and the indies aren't going anywhere. We know this. We will laugh at these type of articles, but it brings the point forward of the potential for people to uh, be disenfranchised. And we don't want that. These are growing pains. This is part of the, the attitude that can permeate on the, on the radio side is, and and it stems from confidence. It stems from their research that shows that they're dominant on the on the radio dial still. Even even though podcasting's been around for fifteen years, we're still a blip on the radar as far as they're concerned. So they they feel like they have power with uh, millions of listeners out there that can drive them to podcasting. So 
even though you know I think there's a different age demo going on here. Um, but you know that's kind of like a beside the point when it comes to talking about this stuff. My personal opinion is that you know, everybody's welcome. I want radio involved in this medium, but I also want radio to understand how how podcasting is different than radio and to embrace that, not try and force radio's kind of culture on the podcasting space because it's it's going to be it's going to cause friction instead of embracing what is different and unique and and fantastic about the podcasting industry um, to try and turn it into radio is only going to cause problems you know i looked at the comments that uh you know these got posted to several facebook groups and there was some podcasters that were like well yeah we're going to roll over they're going to come in and run things and then there was other ones that were pure defiance so it i was kind of surprised about the commentary from some folks oh yeah this should be natural flow of things and i'm just like what you know what are what are you talking about you know and um i'm not rolling over no, and there's Everybody a reason for me. us too. We, we've got far more podcasts hosted on our platform than than any, any of these radio groups have. So, right, it's, you know, we're still an important part of the medium, and I, I believe as long as it's open, right, as long as there's RSS, there's open access to um, all of these listening platforms, uh, we're on the same level of playing field between us and anybody that comes into this medium. So. At the end of the day, it's about, you know, what kind of content are we creating? How are we building audience? Um, all those things that are common across all this. Sure, certain companies have some advantages in the market, right? Um, brand awareness that extends beyond podcasting, which can help you grow your audience in podcasting. But hopefully that adds to the mix. It doesn't um, take away from the mix. Yeah. So one thing that, you know, as listeners, the listeners can do is you guys need to start speaking up. You guys need to start, you know, talking about us talking about Google and and you guys need to start being really directive in your commentary on what you think Google should do and others to help grow the space. You know, I think Rob's on a been on a good point here about growth. If we don't get growth, you know, the space isn't going to grow into the six hundred million dollar uh, venue that a lot of people wanted to. I, I, I'm not so worried about that. I'm just worried about, um, you know, the overall podcasters sustaining growth and having bigger audiences and getting their word out and everything will fall into place after that. But right. I don't think we get there with Apple alone and we need to start focusing on, uh, you know, making Google listen to our wants and start campaigning for, I, I truly, I don't know, Rob, maybe I'm off my rocker here, but I'm, I truly believe that with an audio link in the Google search on Google.com search results, an audio tab, I think that just is a game changer and pure volume alone. If it would said podcast, that would be even more incredible. I doubt they would ever do it that way. But if Google really wants to move the needle, uh, Sergi and team are going to have to give up some real estate on that Google search results to be able to click audio and find uh, a group of podcasts underneath a specific base of search results. I mean, the truth is, is that Google has had that in the past. That's what's funny about it. Um, many, many years ago, they, they had a tab um, just like what exactly where you're talking about, Todd, in that list of, you know, that where it goes web and news and images and at the very top of the page. Um, that's, they used to have audio in there. 
I think it was like but, back in 2006 or seven. Well, here's uh, the reason it changed. Uh, YouTube is the video nine, billion, nine trillion pound gorilla and YouTube makes them money. So the, right. Google has to make money. And if they're going to help podcasters make money, then, you know, they have to grow the audience and – I can kind of see their vision, but maybe maybe we don't get an audio search tab until Google figures out how to monetize podcasts. But uh, you know, are we going to want Google to run ads on five percent of our content being consumed by Google listeners or Android listeners? I I think it has to be much bigger than that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. It's just you know you think about what Android is doing outside of the U.S. and it's just you know it's so clear that's where the growth could come from would be outside of the U S too. But mm-hmm. there's the other half of the world that's on Android, even in the U S. So it's, I don't know. I, you know, it, I, I guess we just have to be a little bit patient and provide positive feedback to Google and, and help them help them along and, and drill in, keep the conversation going, I guess, between us and them. And every one of you that listen to this show, if you talk to five podcasters in your circle, one thing I always found out when I was in the Navy, that if a guy came in, and let's say we're working on an airplane, and he didn't do the job quite right, we would almost shame him, you know. I guess in today's word, world, it would be called bullying. So, But we would you know, kind of shame the guy, you know, in a joking type of way, uh, probably the only way he really works in the from a military team because you know you're you're so tight and close you can you can kind of do that but i'm not saying go out there and bully podcasters but gently (laughs) remind them that hey uh, or just tell them you're an android listener how do i find your show how come you're not talking about google Podcasts? you could be an ios user but you could help them grow their audience by telling them so if each of us just did that to five and re- rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. We can fix this in a you know in thirty days and make sure everyone is is uh, is promoting Google Podcasts as part right. of their typical storyline in their show. Right, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Todd, did yeah, did you see that uh, that Zach, the the product manager for Google Podcasts, was on the cover of Radio Inc. magazine last month? I did not. <laughs> and then they, so I have um, to read that. Yeah, and the podcast business journal is uh, going to launch here uh, next month. Did you get so, your article in? Uh, I was writing it on the airplane last uh, yesterday. <laughs> I thought it was due on the fifteenth. I turned mine in, so you're late. <laughs> I, I know I'm late. Exactly. I'm going to get it done this weekend and get it over there to him. So, yeah. All right, and I got to vote too. We're supposed to vote on something. So oh, anyway, yeah. Oh, um, about that. yeah. Yeah, so you check check your email. <laughs> yeah, and that's not one thing; it's another. So yeah, it should be an interesting first uh, digital magazine. It's uh, well, it's not the first, but it'll be interesting to see how the the uh, the business magazines received in the community. Yeah, missing so, that's going to be an actual print magazine too, right? I don't know. I thought it was only digital, but I don't know. I but if. That was never clarified to me, but PodFest Expo is coming up in March. Yep, and we've actually been talking to the team over there and getting our booths ordered and all that stuff. So, Yeah, it's March 7th through the 9th in Orlando. That's the big 
big PodFest and New Media, or PodFest, uh, is it New Media Expo? Is that what they call it? Or just PodFest Expo, I think is what he's calling it. Um, I guess that they have open speaker submission form, I guess. So if you're, if you have a topic you would like to share at, uh, at the event, I guess they have a form for that now. So. And it's, those, uh, submissions are due on November 30th. So, okay. okay. All right. Hey, Rob. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, being that, uh, I'm remote here, I'd love to, and we got a late start. would like to try to wrap this up a little bit early this time. Okay. But have you got any more topics we should cover or can it wait till next week? I think it can wait till next week, but uh, you'll be back in the pocket uh, in Hawaii next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I will. So we'll be back to and, um, full, just, full video again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just watching outside my window. We must have had one of those little whirlwind things go by because leaves are flying everywhere. It's crazy. It'd be good YouTube video right now. But anyway. <laughs> hey, Todd, one, what, I don't know, uh, one thing we didn't talk about, um, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, um, SoundCloud uh, is going to be working with Pandora on, on ads. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. They're definitely not working on anything in their podcasting stuff. That basically connects up uh, with um, AdsWiz, right? So mm-hmm. ads, AdsWiz is a big programmatic podcast buying platform and, and dynamic ad insertion and all that stuff. So you can kind of see where those connections converge with um, what SoundCloud is doing. Uh, curious. Yeah. Well, maybe Pandora will end up buying SoundCloud. Who knows? Yeah, wouldn't that be interesting, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would yeah. be interesting. Right. So as now, the, there is, there's the prediction. Well, there and and was it a year ago we were talking about consolidation um, coming to the space? Uh, you're seeing it start to deploy right now. So things are happening pretty fast on that front. Lots of dollars. I like that one fifty. That was nice. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like those uh, multi-million dollar acquisitions. I'll bet you do, Todd. All right, everybody. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks uh, Thanks for being here. And uh, again, audio only this show, as you all have figured out already, if you've been listening on demand. So uh, we'll be back doing both audio video next week and uh, be back in the pocket in Hawaii. But, Rob, I don't know if I've – I did kind of announce it on my show, but um, I am planning a transition out of Hawaii sometime uh, uh, mid next year. So uh, I'll be uh, uh, feet dry here in the continental United States at some point in the uh, wow. middle of next year. So that's the, that's what I'm marching to at this point. Do you have a landing spot identified that you want to say? Uh, not, not that I'm going to announce at this <clears throat> point, but okay. uh, one of two locations. So I think one of them will surprise people. But other than that, I'm, I guess we should get out of here. I'm Todd at Blueberry.com. You can reach me at Geek News on Twitter. You can reach me, uh, Rob, um, at Foxnest.com, uh, or you can find me on Twitter at Rob Greenlee. That's with two E's. And you can certainly go to RobGreenlee.com to, to find all my podcasts, you know, like this one, and I also do the Speaker Live Show every Wednesday as well, talking about podcasting. That's what I do all day long, every day. So, yeah, Todd, thanks. Uh, Great, and it'll be great to get back in the studio again and get full video again. All right. There we go. All right, Rob, thanks. And everyone listening, thanks. Tell everyone about the show. Make sure you subscribe and uh, 
Uh, it's, it's greatly appreciated for your ongoing support, everyone. Everyone take care. We'll yeah, see you next thanks. time here on the New Media Show. Bye-bye. Bye.